qualifies. He is the spotless lamb of God. He is the one and only human that will ever be accepted before God. And instead of just accepting him in his life, he takes the sins and the punishment of the sins of all of humankind and he makes his son to become sin for us. Not to commit sin, but to become sin for us. So that in judging him on the cross, the Father can pour out the entirety of his wrath against all sin forever for everyone. Amen. And so he does what no one else could do. He lives like no one else could live. He's born like no one else was born. He dies like no one else ever died. And then he is raised up from the dead. The first fruit the guarantee of the resurrection of the dead for all of us. But here's the reality, because the Father is satisfied with the offering of His Son. And so here's, here's the plan. Here's the plan. You ready for the plan? The plan is a person. Amen. So, oh, it's this magic name. Oh, no, no. It's the magic man behind the magic name. Amen. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is God who robes himself in human flesh and pays the price that his holiness demands so that his love for people can be expressed by inviting us into Christ's life. Amen. This is the gospel. If you ever heard you're supposed to invite Jesus into your life, not so. I understand the language of it. There is a decision to make. There is a yieldedness that you have to embrace. But the truth is, it's not about your life. It's about his life. The glory of God is in the face and the person of Jesus Christ. Do you want God to be glorified? Be like Jesus. Do you want God's glory in your life? Know more of Jesus. Amen? Because this is where everything resides. And so every prayer in the New Testament, every teaching in the New Testament is, is not about you know, doing this better or doing lesser that of that and more of this. It's about growing into the grace and the knowledge of who Jesus is. It's growing up into Him in all things who is the head, even Christ. From Him, the whole body fits and joins together and is compacted by that which every joint supplies as God works effectively in every person. Amen. So look around the room for a minute. Look, look nearby you. Come on. Now I want you to think about this. That person is special. And I don't mean that in, oh, they're special. I mean they are special. They are unique. They're wonderful. And you know what makes them unique? God has a plan for their life, and it's all about Jesus. Amen. And so just would you reach out your hand to somebody nearby you and just kind of say, I bless you with Jesus. I pray Jesus over you. Amen. And that's really what we've been studying here for these uh, we're now actually in the fifth week. We have an eight-week series that's going on. It's about Christ's life. It's about uh, what it means to live. To move into his life and what that starts to look like. And it's all predicated on this first fundamental truth. And that first fundamental truth is that he's alive and well and he's operating in the earth. So you don't have to live for Jesus like he isn't alive. Oh, what would Jesus do if he were here? He is. Amen. In fact, he's everywhere here is. When here is in the wrong place, where you'd be ashamed if your mother caught you there. 
He's there. Whoa. He is. He's everywhere. And so this is the glory. He's operating in the earth, but his methodology of operating is in and through each and every one of us. He's invited us to move into Christ and, and, and kind of learn that there's access here. I have access to all the power and the grace and the holiness and the, the provisions that are not mine by inheritance. They're not mine by my, my Irish heritage or my German heritage or whatever it may be, my African history. It's, it's not that. It's, it's everything that's given to me in Christ. And, and how do I... Values me. He values everybody. God is a personal God. He loves people with an everlasting love. There's a special uniqueness about creation among humankind where he, he just claims ownership over us. Uh, he, he loves us with an intense affection. And he makes himself known to us relationally. So, so in this relationship that I have with God, within him, I have a relationship with everyone, everywhere, every day. And my, my goal in that, the glory in that, is not that they think you're incredibly impressive. Oh, you're the smartest person I've ever met. You're the cutest thing. No, it's that they see Christ in you. That was a weak amen. It's okay, that's okay, you can grow into this. But there's the beauty of this. We are living in relationships, and it's in relationships that God wants us to minister because he wants us to live and move out of a living, breathing, powerful, personal, Pentecostal relationship with Jesus. And so it's not just you and me here. It's you and me and him. And even if you don't know he's here, I do. And he is. And he is willing to make himself known to people. And so there's the beauty of this. And this is why we kind of feel uh, urgent and passionate about this. We have this kind of response that says, man, if we're going to do it, we better do it now. If we're going to share with these people, we ought to share with them now. If there's a priority to reach them, and it's ever a priority, today's a good day. Amen. And so we're moving into these truths. These are, these are fundamental truths. And when I say that, I mean that these truths are true. If I were preaching in a tribe in Africa where people have never been exposed to literature and they have no books written in their own language, it's all tribally and orally communicated around the campfires at night. These truths would be true. Amen. It's Jesus working in them. It is Jesus prioritizing them in a love relationship. It is Jesus wanting to touch them in a relational way. And it's me doing that with a sense of urgency and passion that says, we got to get this done now. And we got to do this really well. Why? For the glory of God. For the honor of his name. Amen. And so in every, every part of the planet, we preach this gospel in every era and age. Some of you have lived long enough to accumulate some of these white hairs, which I so proudly display. I'm not that happy about it, but that's what happens. Time and gravity. It happens to us all. But here's the reality. In every era, the gospel never changes. The truth of Christ never changes. Oh, we're too cool for Jesus. We're too well-informed. We're too woke for Jesus. Well, honey, you better not woke then. Seriously. If you really want, if you want to wake up, you would wake up to Christ. Because this is the eternal truth. Amen. And so in, in every era, among every nation, it uh, doesn't matter whether you're young or old. It's just 
These are universally applicable truths. That's why we're, we're taking the time to look at this. These will never change. So if you live by these, and you encourage everyone everywhere every day to learn and live by these as well, you will benefit them for all of eternity. Amen. How many of you know musical styles come and go? Clothing styles come and go. If you hold on to something long enough, it comes back. It's amazing how that works. I've, I've had people say, hey, have you seen my flared pants? I'm going, yeah, we, you call them bell bottoms. But everything, it just makes its way around. But the reality is Christ never changes. The gospel of Christ never changes. The pathway of salvation never changes. Why? Because it never needs to. In every era, among every group of people, this is the truth. These are fundamentals. And I, I use that word uh, powerfully and truthfully because it's what the fun of Christianity is a living relationship with Christ. Because if you don't think God is fun, you don't know him very well. Amen. If this is a new concept, please just hold on to your hat and your heart for just a minute. God is funny. I, I had a, a brother one time in a church that we were trying to help to fix, and he was a curmudgeonly old man. You know what I mean by curmudgeon? You know, just, you know, grumpy, lumpy kind of old guy. And, uh, and he was offended at me. I was the new pastor in, in the area, and he just was like, and we had fun. We loved the Lord. We laughed. We, we would dance and sing and praise God. And I remember him stopping me in the lobby, and he said, Brother, that's not the gospel. He did. Brother, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said, What do you mean? Uh, I won't use his name. Arlie. Anyway, uh, well, what do you mean, brother? He said, God don't laugh. And again, I'm not picking on his grammar, but that isn't what he said. That's a direct quote. God don't laugh. And I thought, okay, what can I do? And so I said, would you come with me, Arlie? And so I took him by the hand, and I walked over, and they had this big, huge mirror in the lobby. Churches that have mirrors in the lobby, that's a good thing. You know, if you're kind of, before you get in, you might want to check. You know, you walk through the wind. Anyway, walked over to this big mirror in the lobby. I said, you see that? And here we were standing together. And I said, God thinks we're supposed to be on the same team. I think that's funny. Obviously, he does not appreciate humor. <laughs> but Hannah, have you ever seen a cat play with, with a ball? Have you, ever, have, you ever just, have you ever just been out in nature and listened to the sound? Have you ever, have, have you ever taken a close look at an armadillo? I mean, that's a Texas creature. But I got to tell you, that's a collection of prehistoric parts. Seriously, but those little hummers can run. I, I saw one the other day. We we're on a golf course, and and we were these, these guys behind us. There was an armadillo that was crossing over the the golf course, and just you know doing armadillo stuff, I guess. And these guys behind us decided to chase that boy down with their golf cart. <laughs> they start taking. He tore out of there. I, I just stood there in awe, and all the guys that we were playing with going, I didn't know they could run like that. Made me twice as nervous about meeting one face-to-face. -face. But they're funny. There's a lot of, come on, have you looked in the mirror lately? 
You are a beloved child of God's heart. And you're his number one plan to reach the people in your circle of influence. Amen. I think at some level that's a bit humorous. Amen. Oh, here I come, God. You're going to be really impressed. Yeah, and they're going to be really impressed if anything good runs through me. Really, when God shows up, they're going to be really impressed. Or they're going to go, God used them? Wow, there's hope for me. So this is the beauty of the Lord. God is with us. He's within us. And he wants us to live and, and move in a way that is powerfully impactful upon people. I just believe that. I believe God is still alive and well and operating in the earth, doing miracles and showing forth his presence and his power, loving unlovely people, touching untouchable people, passing by the cultural barriers and the physical barriers. He let lepers touch him. He touched them. He, 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 he engendered conversations with a Samaritan woman. That's, that's like a triple foul from a Jewish rabbi. But, but this is who he is, and this is how he is. And he's still alive and well operating in us. And so in your circles of relationship, he's counting on you. He's investing into you and me to be a part of this. Now, I don't know about you, but that energizes me. That puts me in a place where I go, amen, I'm all in. I'm, I'm ready. Maybe I need to pray harder. Warble. Oh, Jesus. Sometimes I'm going to show you how sincere I am. Wouldn't it be great if there was just a key? Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to access all of this and, and not have to just kind of piecemeal my way into it? Wouldn't it be great if there was a one-step process? By the way, for all of those who are are new coming to the campus this year at UT Arlington. It's always interesting. Uh, they have gone to putting up at the orientations these credit card places where they want to get people in and suck them in uh, to the first credit card they've ever owned. It's terrible. And then they offer you easy time payments. I got to tell you, if it takes time to pay, it ain't easy. I want, have you ever read the books in the, in the library? Seven steps to healing. Nineteen steps. No, they never make them nineteen. Six steps to power with God. Four steps to the most powerful prayer life you've ever had. I'm looking for a one step. Seriously, I, I want the, can you count to one? And I have good news for you. This is the reality. This is the truth. This is the fifth of the fundamentals. If you can count to one, you can live a powerful, powerful, personal, fully Pentecostal, engaged with God on an everyday basis, living and moving for the glory of Christ lifestyle. How many of you are in for that? How many of you can count to one? Let me make sure you can first. Try it again. You were really weak with that. Everybody? Okay. There you go. Today, we're going to talk about this one focus that if you take it seriously, it will force you into a partnership with Jesus Christ. To do this one thing, 
you absolutely have to have a living, breathing, vital, powerful, growing, learning relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to take you to John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. Jesus said it this way, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, you've got to catch this because the big part of that phrase is the as I have loved you. Not just love one another the way you want to. Not love one another the way that it's acceptable. Not love one another the way they demand you love them. And how many of you know people do that? Well, if you really love me, you would blah, 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 blah. And it's usually just completely untrue. Love one another as I've loved you. By this, everyone will know that you then are my disciples. Because it requires connection with Christ to love one another with the love of the Lord. This is the reality. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14, after all the other instruction that Paul gives to the Corinthian friends of his, here's what he says. Let everything you do, let all that you do be done in love. Isn't that awesome? Say it with me again, out loud. Let all that you do be done in love. Is it up there for you? Try it one more time. Let all... That means I wash the dishes. That means when you take an exam that you hate and you're not prepared for. <laughs> okay, I'll just stop there because it's getting quieter as I go. Here's the connect point. Living in love as Jesus commanded is the laboratory course for the Christ life. It's the laboratory course. It's the rubber meets the road. It's, the, it's not lo any longer a theory. We're now taking the parts and the pieces and we're putting them into a, a formulaic concoction and boom, reaction is happening. Have you ever been in a chemistry lab? Have you ever, did anybody grow up in high school when there were some days that the entire high school smelled like rotten eggs? Come on, if you had, had that experience, wave your hand. That was, a, that was a chemistry lab course. That was what that was. And they were just making the certain concoction, and just it just stinks for all the world. I'm not, I'm not chemist enough to tell you what it was they were making. I just can tell you the result was we walked around the hall all day going, whoo, that smells. That's horrendous. This chemistry, this lab course is where you actually put the stuff into being, and you get a reaction. You get a smell. You get a, you get a, a response. You get something happens. It's beyond theory. It's now in practice and in truth. And so uh, this is the reality. If you're going to live in the love of Jesus Christ as he does for everyone that he loves, in the way that he loves them, at the time that he loves them, at the capacity that he has for loving them, if that's going to be in you, I promise you, you will have to have a growing, vital, powerful relationship with Christ. But here's the reason we do it. We do it because, number one, it's commanded. This is what it says right here. It's commanded. This is not the divine option. This is not, and here's, here's what we more well understand, this is graduate-level Christianity. You deserve special kudos and congratulations because you've actually grown to the place where you love other people like the Lord does. Like that's the biggest deal, that you're okay every day, that you hate people a little bit, that you're angry with people just a little bit, that as a Republican you hate the Democrat. 
Or as a Democrat, you hate the Republican. Should get an amen there too. Honestly, it's commanded. Christ is saying, you've got to do this. And there's a reason he's saying this. The reason I'm giving you this one new commandment is because he knows the only place you can get it is in Christ. Because it's not just commanded, it's Christ-like. It's Christ's life. It's only in him. If you try to say, I'm going to love like the Lord loves without the Lord helping you, it ain't going to work. Come on, how many of you understand this? If you don't understand this, this is, this is the kind of grow piece that's going to happen to you. When you make a commitment, here's your, here's your goal. Make it your goal to experience and express the love that is in Christ Jesus for everyone, everywhere, every day. I just want to live and move in the love. How many of you believe that that's the will of God for your life? Love everybody the way I do. That's the command of Christ. How many of you know the only place you're going to get that from is Christ? Well, here, if you don't know this, here's what's going to happen to you. When you make it your goal, you can just say, I'm just going to love everybody that I see. Everybody that I interact with. Now, I want you to know that you're in for a few realizations in your life and a couple of revelations. But the realization that's first going to come to you is that you really don't love everyone. In fact, the further they are from you, the easier they are to say you love. Oh, man, I love, 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 love orphans. Mm, I care for what's going on. I love, love, love all those poor Ukrainian people that are being ousted from their homes and subjected to such awful treatment in this, in this throes of ego and war. I just love, love, love them. But, but uh, the Ukrainian who's next door, or works next to you, or moves into your house. It's Come on, the further you are from people, the less connected you are, the easier it is to pretend you love them. It's, come on, am I, am I just too true for you? I just want to get with you because this is the real, realization that we come to. We understand, you know, I want to love everybody because I believe God does. But the truth is, I don't. Are you okay with that? You don't love everybody. Let me help you. You don't. Say it with me. I don't. Come on, try it again. You don't. In fact, you don't even like a lot of them. You don't just love, love, love them. You don't even like, like, like them. In fact, you don't want to be around them. When, when it comes to a choice of stopping your car among them or driving on, you drive on because you don't love them. Now, let me, can I take it a step further? The truth is that you can't love them. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive because we're, we're talking about loving everyone with the love of Christ, but in and on yourself, out of you, you can't do it. You cannot find it inside of you to somehow manufacture and generate the love that is only in Christ Jesus. It's only accessible through God and a relationship with Him. It only flows from the heart of God. It's agape love. It's not phylos. It's not this Philadelphia kind of brotherly love. It's not eros, this, this lusty kind of love. It's not. This is the love that God has for humankind. And, and I not and only don't love people like that, I can't. 
Now, this should be good news to some of you because we live in a world where some of you will hear the gospel preached and this is the understanding, or at least this is the sort of the intent that they come off with, that if you've been abused or beaten or cheated or, or you know, just some, some, something has been proffered upon you, you've been left behind, you know, someone after years of faithful marriage, someone just walked out on you because you weren't cool enough or pretty enough or smart enough or rich enough or whatever enough for them. If you've been wounded in these kind of deep ways and someone comes along saying, you just have to feel this amazing, warm, fuzzy feeling of just, oh, oh, God, I think about them every day and I want glorious blessing to happen in their lives. And if you think that that's the truth of the gospel, I'm going to just straight tell you, please be free from that. You can't do that. You can't. You can't, you, no, but God is not expecting you to just come up with oh, this amazing warmth for the person who murdered your child. I walked through that with a family in St. Louis area a number of years ago. 22-year-old, beautiful young lady had just been married, had just recently been married, and she was found brutally murdered, strangled to death in her bed. And this devout family went through this, this awful, horrid experience of this. And I watched them go from the shock and the anger and the rage and the venom through to a place where they actually began to pray diligently that whoever had done this would not just come forward, but that they would come to faith in God through Jesus Christ. And it was big news. It was a big news story in the St. Louis area. Uh, lots of people die in the St. Louis area, but this was news because this was so shocking and so such a pure, beautiful young woman to be just taken from life. And I remember walking through them and watching that happen and thinking, you know, that probably more than any church attendance or confession of faith or sincerity of singing or offering that they've ever given screams out that they have a personal, powerful connection to Christ. Why? Because it was the love of God that got into their hearts and their spirits. This is the reality because not only do we realize that we can't do it, then there's a revelation that comes that God isn't asking us to do it. He's asking us to let it happen to us and through us. To experience and express the love of God. You've got to believe that He loves you. This is why Jesus said, when He taught us to pray, remember God, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us? Okay, our Father who art in heaven, come on. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's a good song, we sang it today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us as... Ooh. Ooh. And then he goes back after teaching them that prayer, and he says, the one I want you to really get focused on here is if you don't forgive people, it's because you don't know what forgiveness is and how it feels. Because when you are willing to receive it, when you understand it for you, you also understand it's for everyone of you. 
You, the fallen sinner, you, the flawed one, you, the arrogant, egotistical one, you, the antichrist one, it's for you and everyone who is like you. Father, forgive them who are crucifying him, for they know not what they do. What a harrowing experience that has to be for the person who's nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive him. I mean, he's just right there in your face. You, you would expect curses and, and anger and tears and, and, and oaths against you. And if I could just get off this cross, I would. But you're not, nothing in your Roman history gears you. For Father, forgive this poor guy who has no clue what's going on. I don't know about you, but if I'm the guard, I'm thinking I'm not in charge here. This is the guy who's in charge. You might say I have the power because I have the hammer and the nail, but he's in charge. He's got all the power. Do you get this? You understand that when this happens to us and we begin to realize that the, the, the go piece of this, the reality of this is that we don't have to make it happen. We get to let it happen. I know this is hard for you. Just, just stick with me for a sec. I'm almost done. But I want us to just linger here for a minute. It's, it's really easy to throw these little phrases out, like put off this and put on that. You know, the Scripture's full of it. Put off all your old ways. Put off your anger. Put off your need for revenge. Put off all the junky stuff. And put on the Lord. Put on grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness and, 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 and tenderheartedness toward others. Put on a soft spirit. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Put on, some people just have that. You just want to, when you run up and, and just get with them, you just want to slide underneath their arm. I feel that way with Brian when I'm with him. It also happens that he's tall enough that I can pretty much do that. And just get right under there and feel loved and protected. But, but this is the reality of, of how Christ actually is. He, he's loving us and moving in us. And, 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 and we don't have to make this happen. You don't have to... You know, you put this off to put this on. Well, if this wasn't in Christ Jesus, you couldn't put it on. You get that? We're not talking fake it till you make it. That, that's, that's the whole thing. If you say, oh, I'm going to love everybody, you could quickly, pretty quickly run out. I don't love them. I don't even like them. So God says, pray for your enemies. And you go, okay. Oh, God, kill them. Oh, God, judge them. Oh, God, deal with them ever so severely. Amen? And, and you're, if you're honest, that's, that's kind of how you feel. And God is loving enough to go, all right, Rexy, when, whenever you come to the end of Rex, let me know. Because when you get to the end of Rex, then I want to provide something that is only in Christ. Amen. This is the revelation. So don't wait till you get to the end. Chuck it now. <laughs> get rid of it early. Just, just dump the idea that I've got to be this amazing something for everyone, everywhere, every day. No, you don't. You have to just let go of yourself stuff. Let go of the need for aggrandizement. Let go of the need for somebody's approval. Let go of the need for all of that acceptance in the certain crowd, let go of that stuff and cling to Christ. 
and Christ alone. And see yourself relationally every day with everyone everywhere as living and moving in the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. And as, as being a conduit for the love that is only in Him to flow through and touch their lives. Amen. You let go of the self stuff. Put it off. You let God begin to show forth. And the way to do this, it's a pretty simple thing. I'm going to close with this. You, you pray it. Come on, pray it. Say it with me. Pray it, then say it, and then display it. So let's, now we got all three. Pray it, say it, display it. One more time. Pray it, say it, display it. How many of you believe that God has asked you to pray for unsaved people? God has asked you to pray for lost people. He's asked you to pray for angry people. He's asked you to pray for, for wicked, sinful people who have harmed you, who you would count as an enemy. God has instructed you to pray for your enemies. Come on, how many of you wave your hand? Okay. So that's it. We start praying it. And when, when we get past our juvenile prayers, which are hurt them, kill them, wound them, make them sorry, at least bring them to apologize so that I can show my largesse, my wonderful, magnanimous spirit and be gracious to them. You're so sickening. Really. It's, but you're so human. So sinful. So like me. Amen. And all of the fallen race. But you're not so like Christ. When you're that way. God puts his spirit in us. So that we can start to pray these things. And we, when, when we get past the dumb prayers. We start to actually pray. That the will of God will be done in their life. Well, what is the will of God? To save them, to turn them into actual friends. Actually, the will of God may rise to the point where he wants to use the, the transformation that takes place in you as regards them as a witness of the gospel and the presence of God. For them to say, you could not love me like you do and treat me like you do now, given all the stuff that I've done for you, except that God is with you. God is in you. By this, everyone will know, including your enemies, that you are his disciple. So you begin to pray it, and when you start praying it, then you can say it. You know what? I had a plan for you, and it was horrible. It was revengeful. It was mean-spirited. But God has a plan for you to save you and to give you a whole new life and to set you free. Because he loves you in a way that I could never understand. He, he's after you in a way that I could never really accurately portray. But I can tell you, I can tell you in Jesus' name. You start praying it and saying it, and I promise you, eventually you'll start to display it. You'll become ever increasingly more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's him you're accessing. It's his love that is getting inside of your heart and starting to flow through you. So let everything you do be done in love. In Jesus' name. Amen? Stand with me all across the house. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray yes. 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 And amen. Let the will of God be done in our life. Let the kingdom of God come in us. Let the glory of the love of Jesus Christ be in and flowing through us more and more every single day. We want to do it because you commanded it. We want to do it because it requires a living relationship with you. And as we do, Lord God, we believe you're going to help us. We believe that you do love everyone. 
you do have a plan. You have a power that it will overcome every darkness, every lie, every wickedness, every sinfulness, and you will set captive people free. So we pray, do it, do it, do it, Father, and do it through us, and do it now, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.